Um, some of you know that, um, maybe most of you know, that my family and I just had a, we just got spoiled completely rotten, and we got to go to Italy for two weeks, and we spent time with, um, with some family there, and we um, got to see all kinds of amazing things, and um, I'm not going to try to make you too jealous, but I want to show a couple of pictures um, of kind of what we had going on. Um, there's one. Uh, a definite highlight of the trip was food. Um, it is not GF, but it's okay when you're on vacation. It doesn't count, just like when you come to the table. Um, uh, we, had, we had amazing food, um, and... These are a couple of the dishes. Do I have another one? I think I might have. Oh, whoops. Oh, first. Um, we saw, this was my niece's idea. She's like, Josh, stand there and put your finger out. I wouldn't have been smart enough to figure this out. But that's the Vatican. So we saw a bunch of cool places, um, Vatican being one of them, and uh, all sorts of different things. Um, but by far, the, the coolest part of the trip for me was... Um, spending time with family who live literally um, in another part of the world. And, I mean, first of all, they were just incredibly warm and welcoming and hospitable. Um, but what I want to highlight today, and, and this just happened a number of times throughout the trip, where I had these moments where I would look at Ari or the boys and or Ari's family from here and next to family members there who we really don't know that well, we don't spend a lot of time with, and there would be this resemblance that I would see that, I would, that would just kind of take me by surprise. So I tried to, this is Ari's sister, Lisa, and so, more good food, um, and, and you know, there's some resemblance there, but we were with Kiara. This is steak. Oh my gosh, Florence steak. Wow, wow. Sorry, um, but this is this is Kiara, and Kiara's um, our cousin who showed us all around. And you know, there's a little bit of resemblance there, but. Um, another reason beyond compassionate action to uh, participate in tithes and offerings is our battery budget. <laughs> um, Tim just wanted me to remind you. Um, so, so throughout the trip, there was these moments where, you know, certainly anytime you go to another culture, you just like will have moments where you see things different because they see things different. 
and you learn, right? And then there's these moments in our family where I would just like see things that I didn't, I hadn't seen before. Rob, question. I'm, I'm, ner I'm nervous right now, but go ahead. So, is it Archangelo or Marcangelo? Arch. Archangelo, yes. <laughs> there's, yeah. Most, many people are named after saints, so there's a lot of Archangelos, there's a lot of, anyways, you get the picture. Um, the gospel, we've been, we've been in um, the gospel of John, and we're looking at all these signs of God's kingdom, and there are little invitations about the nature of living in the presence of Christ, in the presence of God today. And today's passage, I think, is an invitation for us to consider, what does it mean to see things differently? What does it mean to see the world um, from the perspective of of God, to be opened up to seeing things maybe new. And so I want us to hold that question um, as we read this story. And this story is a good story, and it's worth experiencing it, not just kind of reading and like cerebrally thinking about it. And so what I, I want to invite us to, to choose between three different postures as I read this story um, as best as I can. One, I want some of you to um, hear the story with your eyes open the whole time. So just keep your eyes open. Maybe that's generally how you do it. Um, and I want some of you to do that. I want some of you to hear this story with your eyes closed the whole time. So to be willing to just close your eyes um, the whole time. I almost did this by section, but then I thought, oh, the section with their eyes closed will feel like everyone's staring at them the whole time. So we're not going to do that. But I, I would like for some of you to be willing to close your eyes the whole time while we read this and try not to fall asleep. And then the third group, I want you to close your eyes for the beginning of the story. And when the man, sorry, I'm, I'm tell, telling you the end of the story, but when the man is healed, um, I want you to open your eyes. All right? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that was bad. But anyways, um, I want you to open your eyes and experience the rest of the story with your, with your eyes open. All right? And then we're going to share a little bit. So um, here we go. Take the posture that you feel led um, to take. And this is John chapter 9. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus' disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents. This happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. While it's daytime, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said this, he spit on the ground, made mud with the eyes and saliva, and smeared the mud on the man's eyes. Jesus said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went away and washed. And when he returned... 
he could see. The man's neighbors and those who used to see him when he was a beggar said, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, It is. And others said, No, it's someone who looks like him. But the man said, Yes, it's me. So they asked him, How, how are you now able to see? And he answered, The man they called Jesus made mud, smeared it on my eyes, and said, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. They asked, where is this man? He replied, I don't know. Then they led the man who had been born blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus made the mud and smeared it on the man's eyes on a Sabbath day. So Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. And the man told him, he put mud on my eyes. I washed, and now I see. Some Pharisees said, this man isn't from God because he breaks the Sabbath law. Others said, how can a sinner do miraculous signs like these? So they were divided. Some of the Pharisees questioned the man who had been born blind again. What do you have to say about him since he healed your eyes? He replied, he's a prophet. The Jewish leaders didn't believe the man had been blind and received his sight until they called for his parents. The Jewish leaders asked them, Is this your son? Are you saying he was born blind? How can he now see? His parents answered, We know he is our son. We know he was born blind. But we don't know how he now sees. And we don't know who healed his eyes. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jewish authorities. This is because the Jewish authorities had already decided that whoever confessed Jesus to be the Christ would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why his parents said he's old enough, ask him. Therefore they called a second time for the man who had been born blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. The man answered, I don't know whether he's a sinner Here's what I do know. I was blind, and now I see. They questioned him. What did he do to you? How did he heal your eyes? He replied, I already told you, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They insulted him. You are the disciple, but we, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we don't know where this man is from. The man answered, this is incredible. You don't know where he's from, yet he healed my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. God listens to anyone who is devout and does God's will. No one has ever heard of a healing of the eyes of someone born blind. If this man wasn't from God, he couldn't do this. They responded, you were born completely in sin. How is it that you dare to teach us? Then they expelled him. Jesus heard they had expelled the man born blind. Finding him, Jesus said, do you believe in the human one? He answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. And Jesus said, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. 
and he worshiped Jesus. Jesus said, I have come into the world to exercise judgment so that those who don't see can see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard what he said and asked, Surely we aren't blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you wouldn't have any sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. The word of the Lord. There's a couple things behind this story that are important to, to recognize. One, John's community, who he's writing to, had been expelled from the synagogue. They had been kicked out um, because of their, 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 their faith in, in, in Jesus. Um, and so there's, this story is, is um, assurance to them. Um, obviously, this passage grapples with notions of sin, notions that still haunt us today, um, even though Jesus quickly dismisses this idea that he was born blind due to his parents' sin. Um, and then fundamentally, this passage is about sight. I mean, 24 times in 40 verses, sight or, or eyes or something um, is talked about. Four times, I think, he explains the story over and over again. Um, what was it like to have sight during this story the whole time? For those of you who kept your eyes open. What was it like to hear this story without sight? Um, what was it like to gain your sight along with the man as we, as we read the story? Um, turn to one or two people next to you and just share what it was like on, uh, in the posture that you, you chose. Go for it. Anyone willing to share? For those who, read, who, who experienced the story with their eyes wide open... What was it like? Some of you did it, I saw. No? Pretty standard. Bill, yeah? Okay, we'll go with that. How about any, any who read the story or heard the story with their eyes closed the whole time? Um, what was that like? Any thoughts? Go ahead, Kevin. Long story. Yeah. I read it good, though. Come on. Yeah. Deborah? I ended up landing on the mud a couple of times when when Jesus made mud out of spit. That's where I lingered a bit. Anybody else? Yeah, Jean. Like, <laughs> right about, you know what I mean? But he was, he was trying to like, let it back in to 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just made me see that like I really saw the characters. Cool. Yeah. Cool. How about any who opened their eyes, who gained sight during the story? What was that like? Yeah, Beth. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Any others? Okay. Like I said, John's community was likely expelled from the synagogue for confessing Jesus as the Messiah. Um, and this narrative is written as a, as a story of comfort for them, reminding them of who Jesus is. Um, with the same people you've been talking to, and, and you can go to any level of, of storytelling you feel comfortable, um, when have you felt isolated or abandoned? How do you think this passage addressed those feelings for John's community? Um, how might they address our feelings when we feel left out or alone? Um, how does a story like this about Jesus Um, address these universal feelings of being isolated and alone. Go for it. Feel free, feel free to stay um, in this conversation if if it's, uh, if you want to, but um, another question, let me, let me offer this and then we can dive back in. Another question I think this passage really grapples with is it, it kind of undermines like a simplistic understanding of sin. Um, as we begin with this like question about the man being born blind and his parents, and then we see his parents kind of operate in, 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 in fear, right, understandably. And then this question of the Pharisees, um, and, and it's connected with their sight um, and their, their confidence in their sight. Um, you can keep talking about how this passage connects with us in terms of our feelings of loneliness and isolation, but also uh, another thing to, to, to wonder about is how do we typically define sin? How might this story broaden our understanding of both sin and grace? Um, what comes to mind? And think through like the narrative. Think through just the little details of the story. And obviously, we're hoping that this story just kind of stays with us when we're done today. So go for it. No, I have one more in, in about two minutes. Go for it. Three minutes. One more question to consider um, as we prepare for the table. Where, share with each other, where have you felt blind in your life? Where have we experienced a sense of new sight? new life, a new chance to be the people we've been called to be, to see things in the world um, through the eyes of God. Um, Do you have a story you'd be willing to share with one another of a moment or a time or a season where you felt like you gained new sight in terms of God's kingdom? Go for it. I'd like to... uh, Invite us to consider the table that we're, we're, prepa- we're going to approach and, and really to think about what this passage kind of raises for us.
This table um, is a table that's open for all. Um, in the uh, in the story, um, Jesus is addressing a community of people who have been excluded, and um, and the man starts out excluded because of his disability, and he ends excluded because of his proclamation of of faith because of his new sight. Um, and yet God is with him throughout the whole journey. And so this table is a place that's open. Um, and we invite anyone and everyone to come. Um, this table is a place for sinners. Um, people who miss the mark. People who don't have it all together. People who... Um, The world says you're out of bounds. You've broken the rules. Um, This table is a place for sinners. um, And it's a table of grace. And then finally... Finally, this table is a place where we're invited every week to come just as we are and bring all our stuff to be fed and nourished, and then like the man, to be sent to the the water of Siloam, to sentness, um, seeing things differently. Um, This weekend, the IRC has a big gala, and and our... our theme is, is standing with neighbors, but it's also coming to the table. Um, and I think that our IRC gala, our hopes, are that um, everyone would be welcome, that we would see things different, that people who the world says miss the mark actually really matter. Um, So as we come to the table, I invite you to be open. God, how how do you want to open my eyes to see the world through your body and your blood? Um, A life of grace and openness. Um, Spirit of God, we pray that you would move us. Um, I know this church wants to have open eyes to your work in the world. And you've been so gracious um, to invite us into a a lot of wonderful things like Jordan talked about today, like we've just shared about with each other. So encourage us if we feel isolated because of that. Encourage us if we've, um, in our families, in our households, in our friendships, can can feel um, out of bounds because of the eyes you've granted us. But also, God, continue to open up our eyes. Um, Help us to see the way you see. Um, Help us to see your presence in the very mundane and ordinary things of our lives. Um, And like the man, God, in this story, may our voice grow. Um, May it grow. As we see the world the way you see it, may we be a voice 
of your work. May we testify to the world that you desire. Give us the courage we need for that, we pray. May your body and your blood uh, nourish us towards that this morning. And it's the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.